another one. What's up, guys? This is another Jags podcast. This is our daily mailbag for Thursday morning. We hope you're having a great day. We hope you're going to have a great day and that your week has been good. We have some football tonight, the Buccaneers and the Panthers. Not a lot of interest in that game, probably for us, unless you have some fantasy value or you're thinking about covering Carolina at that six and a half point spread. But uh, either way, we're really thankful you're listening today on a Thursday. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Another Jags Pod. You can follow us on YouTube. And you can just search Another Jags Podcast. We have live shows. We do about two a week. You can check us out on there. Uh, you can follow my personal Twitter. It's at jtrent904. I tweet about all different sports, though. I must give you a heads up on that. Today's Daily Mailbag, we're going to jump into kind of the dense nuts and bolts of the Jaguars offense. And, and I'm just going to give you a heads up right off the bat. I'm going to try to simplify this as much as I can, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining these formations and things like that. This is just really going to be a dense, dense podcast about what we think Gardner Minshew will show us and what John Filippo will show us in week two against the Texans. So if you're into formations, if you're into scheme, if you're into that sort of thing, this podcast is definitely 100% for you. So let's jump right into it. Okay, so we do a lot of film review here at Another Jags Pod. That's really all we do. If you go follow our Twitter, uh, we post clips all day. And just, you know, just a little preview. We posted a clip today that really showed how cerebral Gardner Minshew is. The play call was a screen pass to the strong side. They were in shotgun formation. Supposed to be a screen pass to the wide receiver, to the trips. All the linemen pull to the right. Gardner Minshew doesn't even look that way. Recognizes the cover one. Hits Conley on the slant. Conley picks up like 10 yards. I think it was like third and 11 or 12. I mean, he didn't pick up the first down, but it was a great, great read. And, and it's not a pass you expect from a rookie in his first game, nonetheless. After watching the film on the Chiefs, I'm super excited about Gardner Minshew. And I'm, I may be starting to drink the Kool-Aid, and I am usually the last one to do that. So we went back and we watched the film on the Chiefs game. So Gardner Minshew came in in the first quarter after Nick Foles got hurt. What's super encouraging about the offense and Minshew is that all of their drives were nice, long, sustained drives. The first drive that he comes in was a nine-play drive that ended in a field goal. Look, if you would have told anybody, like, hey, Gardner Minshew's coming in, he's going to run the offense, fresh, off the bench, cold, didn't prepare the week as a starter, and he's going to have a nine-play drive. I would take that. Anybody would take that. Are you kidding me? So we went back and we looked at the formations. Their, their first nine-play drive, John Filippo draws it up. And it's the most predictable. <laughs> it was on purpose, though. It was on purpose, right? So hear me out. So they come out of the gate in what's called, this is, this is Minshew. They come out of the gate in what's called 11 ace tight formation. Basically, this means there's one tight end, there's one running back, and Minshew is under center. So basically, for the first nine plays of the, of the game, and when they kicked the field goal on the first drive, they were in ace or under center 
five times. And all five of those times, they ran the ball. And all of them went for a positive gain. On the sixth play of the drive, they they ran the ball and only got one yard. And, and that's still positive. But besides that, they got a decent amount of yardage on the run. The other four plays, Minshew lined up in shotgun and threw the ball. What does this mean? On the first nine plays of the drive, if he lined up under center, it was a run play. If he lined up in shotgun, it's a pass play. They were keying their tendencies, like weren't trying to hide it at all. Like they, everyone knew what they were going to do. They kicked the field goal. They go down like 10 to 3. I think the Chiefs go down and, and score a touchdown or just kick a field goal. Then they come out on Gardner Minshew's second drive. They come out in 12 ace tight formation, meaning one running back, two tight ends. They ran a lot of two tight end sets. O'Shaughnessy, Swaim, and Seth DeValve. Yes, <laughs> you heard me correctly. Seth DeValve. They all got a lot of meaningful snaps. If you don't know who Seth DeValve is, he's 6'3", 245. He's 26-year-old. He's in his fourth year in the league, and he's from Princeton. Got to love those Ivy League guys, right? A lot of tight ends played in this game. They had one play in particular on the, looks like the third drive of the game where they were in 13 formation. That's one running back, three tight ends. Heavy formation. Ran the ball. Got a whopping one yard. It led... That was the same drive that led to the Leonard Fournette fumble. But it doesn't matter. I like to see the diversity. And you know Filippo likes the tight ends. You just hope that we can get Oliver back and he can get healthy. I mean, looking at our current roster of tight ends, it's James O'Shaughnessy, Jeff Swain, who received the majority of the snaps, Seth DeValve, who no one's ever heard of, and then Josh Oliver, who's injured. That's a pretty underwhelming group of tight ends, considering that we run 13 formation, 12 formation, and 11 formation. I mean, there were only 11 plays in the game. Now, now, hear, hear me out, because when the CBS feed cut out, apparently so did the NFL Network condensed film. Um, I went back and watched the coaches' film, and they did have the whole game on there, but I didn't chart it, and that I charted the condensed game. But I just started from Minshew, and Minshew went out, uh, let's see here, with, with seven minutes left in the game, and by then it was a blowout. So from the first quarter when Minshew went in to when seven minutes left in the game, there were only 11 offensive plays where they were in 10 gun, meaning there's no tight ends in the game. So there's going to be a tight end in the game most of the time. I'm interested to see what happens with that position, because if, look, if they have one injury, one minor injury outside of Josh Oliver. They're, they're going to go to the street to pick someone up. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But Minshew thrives in all, I mean, he, in all these situations. So we go back to their tendencies. First nine plays of the game, they are, I mean, they are showing their hand. They come out on the second drive of the game after kicking a field goal. The first play, they line up in 12 ace tight formation. They're one by two, meaning one wide receiver on the left, two wide receivers to the right. And they run play action, and that's the 50-yard bomb to DJ Chark. So, John Filippo schemed this up perfectly. The Chiefs went to the sidelines. Andy Reid went to the sidelines. They talked over like the, the tendencies of the Jags. They said, look, guys, we got a rookie in the game. When Minshew was under center, they're running the ball. When he's in shotgun, they're throwing it. I mean, the last nine plays showed us that. They come out on the second drive under Minshew. 
Play action. Tyron Matthew bites like a mofo, comes downhill. DJ Chark wide open. It's a 50-yard gain. Beautiful, beautiful play. So they come back and they stay in tendency. And only two plays later, they line up and gun and they run the ball. And guess what? Minshew scrambles, gets a first down, picks up like 12 yards out of two by one, 11 gun formation. These tendency breakers, I mean, you would... it's been so long since the Jags have an offensive coordinator that does things that's not predictable. How many times have our offensive coordinators in the past come out and run the ball on every first down? It's great to see. It really, really is. And, and it was fun. And um, the tendencies were diverse, to say the least. In the first half. So Minshew got two solid drives before his like one minute offense, right? Both drives ended in a field goal. Both drives were hampered, by the way. I must mention by penalties that set them back on the chains and the down and distance that caused the field goal. So if it wasn't for these penalties, it was holdings. I think one was with Juwan Taylor. I think one was Andrew Norwell. And these holdings made limited them to a field goal. Then they got into their one minute offense. They ran shotgun. There was a 10 formation, 10 formation, uh, 11 formation, and they ran screens out of that. Out of that, So they didn't put a lot on Minshew's plate in the first half, but he delivered. I mean, I don't think he had an incompletion in the first half. Now, now technically, I think on his ninth pass, he, he had a dump off to Fournette that he did under throw, but they called the holding on, I want to say Norwell, and then the play ended up not counting, so his incompletion didn't count. So it ended up coming back, and he was able to continue his streak into the second half, which gave him that long streak that tied some records since like 92 or whatever it was. But looked good in the first half. Then we get to the second half, and... Honestly, the second half is where Minshew kind of really, really took off. And we get into, before we get into the nuts and bolts um, of that right off the bat, and I want to mention that think about this quarterback room that we have right now Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew, who Nick Saban wanted as a graduate assistant coach, and now Josh Dobbs who is literally an aerospace engineer major. Like, has a degree, not like Jameis Winston, Crab Legs Academy, no degree. I'm talking like this guy actually has a degree. And no hate to my Florida State fans. My guys know out there, I I root for Florida State as much as any other Florida school. But this dude's smart. This is a smart quarterback room. If you you didn't listen to our last mailbag, uh, no, it wasn't a mailbag. Yeah, it wasn't a mailbag. <laughs> I'm all over the place, man. I don't know. I, I pump out a bunch of these. I mean, I love it. I just love talking about the Jags. But th- go back and, and listen. We, t- we talked about and we asked an interesting question. We even had a poll on Twitter. And I'd love to hear your response because if you're just now listening to this, you may not have got a chance to, to give us your feedback. And that's what we're all about is y'all's feedback is if Gardner Minshew ends up being a, let's say, five-year starter, let's say a seven-year starter, has he earned himself the redemption of Dave Caldwell. Basically, as Dave, will Dave Caldwell redeem himself with the Gardner Minshew pick? Food for thought. Food for thought. I'll let you guys digest that uh, while you listen to this quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to finish this daily mailbag. Thanks for listening, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to another Jags podcast. This is our daily mailbag for Thursday morning. We appreciate you guys listening. Dude, we know there's a lot of Jags podcasts out there. I mean, on our SB Nation feed alone, I mean, I think like two or three have jumped in since the season started. And, you know, props to them. You know, I hope they have as much fun doing it as we do. And um, support them because we're all Jags fans at the end of the day. Um, but uh, if you haven't yet followed us on Twitter, we're at another Jags pod. And that's really where we make our money is doing film cutups and talking about formations and schemes. And that's really what this whole podcast is about. And I apologize if this is dense. And if you're a new Jag fan, this is not usually how these conversations go. It's not usually us getting in to the formations and, and the, the receiver lineups and, and things like that. Uh, we don't usually get into it like that, but um, go back and listen to our other ones. They're a little more user and interact friendly, but but I am a film junkie and an ex coach, so I really dig into this stuff and and I love it. I really really do. So we talked about the first half of Gardner Minshew and, and two of his drives ended in a field goal. One drive ended in a half, but let's look at the second half at at what he did. Okay, so in the second half they're kind of playing from behind. Then we start to see kind of what John Filippo kind of defaults to when he's behind. And I think this is important because I think you will see games where John Filippo has to game plan and scheme from behind. And what we see after that is a lot of shotgun, obviously, but a lot of 11 and 10 formation. 11 formation meaning one tight end and one running back, and a lot of 10 formation meaning one running back, zero tight ends. You see a lot of two-by-one. John Filippo likes to have those wide receivers twinsed out on the left, regardless of where he's at on the hash. And then he likes to have one guy out on the right. So for whatever reason that is, there was one interesting play I want to bring up. They, they put D.D. Westbrook, they motioned him from the right all the way to the left side of the formation, and then Orbit motioned him behind Gardner Minshew, snapped the ball, threw it to D.D. Westbrook out of an Orbit motion on a wide receiver screen, kind of like a flare. And he was one player away from breaking it big. Both the receivers held their block well. It was Conley and it was Chark. But Westbrook needed to beat one linebacker, and he couldn't. Ended up getting two yards on the play. Well-designed play out of John D. Filippo. And like I mentioned in the first segment of this, John D. Filippo is maybe the most creative, innovative offensive coordinator I've seen in Jacksonville. And I can safely say that after one game. The screens that were designed, and not just the screens. Like in the screens, on the backside of the screens, were designed like slant routes in cover one, which led guys like Chris Conley wide open. Chris Conley made his money on the slant routes last game. Slant routes, he killed it. I mean, I want to say every reception that Chris Conley had was on a slant route in cover one against the defense. I, in the offseason, I kind of had my, I had my doubts about Chris Conley. But I wonder how much of what we did in week one will kind of be game planned by the Texans week two or by the Titans week three. So in the second half, we're running a lot of one by three formation, two by one. You see more trips, but you see a lot of positive gains. I mean, I'm just looking at, I mean, I charted the first two drives of the second half. A gain of five, gain of four, gain of two, gain of eight, gain of six, gain of one, gain of 15, gain of six, gain of one, and then you have the four net fumble. I mean, these are consecutive plays with positive gains. 
After the fumble, you had a zero-yard gain on a jet sweep. You had a sack. You had a penalty. You had an incompletion. Then you had a punt. Shocker. But that third drive of the second half is the only drive that you can find before the CBS feed cuts out where the Jags often stalled. And that's encouraging to see. The fourth drive of the second half. Seven-play drive ends in a touchdown. Five plays are 11-gun formation. Two plays are 10-gun formation. So we're just gunslinging it. Gain of two. Gain of 12. Gain of 20. Gain of eight. Gain of two. Gain of five. Touchdown. Gardner Minshew excels in the gun, but he can play in the ace. Like I talked about, that 50-yard gain to DJ Chark was in that ace formation and that play action with the defense expecting run. I have high expectations for John D. Filippo. I'm excited about to see how he game plans. He might have been a home run hire. And I'm just going to, like, honestly, like Gardner Minshew may have fallen into our lap and John D. Filippo might have fallen into our lap. I know that's the best case scenario, but that may be where we're at with this. So to sum up the formations of what we ran, the most ran formation was 11-gun formation, meaning one tight end, one running back. Swaim and O'Shaughnessy switched out that tight end position. Fournette mainly played the running back. I think Armstead had a couple plays. The next most run formation, 10-gun, meaning one running back, zero tight ends, and four wide receivers. And sometimes they had O'Shaughnessy and Swaim split out. And depending on how close they were to the end line of the line of scrimmage and to the linemen, I counted that 10-gun or 11-gun. But that's what they like to do. And I understand they're playing from behind. But at the same time, like I like to see that kind of air raid principles that, that Gardner Minshew is used to. Because really, I mean, the Saints, the Patriots, we don't like to call it this, but really what they run is all air raid principles. It's take what's in front of you short until the defense gets tired of it, tries to stop you, and then test them over the top. That's really all the air raid is. And then mix in the run to keep the D-line honest. People want to make things so difficult. People want to make schematics and formations and, and play calling so difficult. Look, that's the air raid. I just summed it up for you. Take what's in front of you short. When the defense gets tired of it, test them over the top and let the running back keep the D-line honest. The second most run formation, 11 ace. Basically the same as 11 gun, one tight end, one wide receiver, but Minshew's under center. And mainly there was more running plays out of that. Every once in a while, they run up in the I formation with a fullback. Not every once in a while. There was four plays where they had a tight end lined up in the H-back role or that fullback position. Four. And usually that's Jeff Swain. And every single time he was lined up in that formation, it was a run play. What does that tell me? That tells me first play of the game against the Texans. When Swain is lined up as the H-back, he's going to run out for a pass like he did with the Cowboys so many times. That's what I'm expecting. That's what I think will happen. You saw a little bit of that 12 ace formation with two tight end sets, three plays of that. And like I said, there was that one heavy package with three tight ends. I'm excited to chart next week's plays because the Chiefs are a good team and we're playing from behind early. I mean, this Chiefs game looked just like last year's Chiefs game. 
Last year's Chiefs game's first three drives of the game, we gave up three scoring drives. Same here. Offense has to play from behind. Difference is our offense really stepped up this year versus last year. And we were kind of in the same position. Our offense gave us a chance to win. Defense couldn't close it out at the end. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what our offensive formations do. So that's going to wrap it up for our daily mailbag. I think we'll talk about defensive formations tomorrow. I don't know. I don't think people are as interested in formations as they are like hearing about Gardner Minshew's mustache and man thighs, but it's hard for me to not look at that stuff when I'm watching the game. So it may be dense again, but I will give you a heads up like I did on Twitter uh, yesterday. So make sure you follow our Twitter at another Jack's pod. If you want to hear if it's going to be a dense pod or a fun pod. And uh, maybe we'll throw out a, a mailbag poll tomorrow to kind of get you guys involved to get your thoughts. Yeah, we, we will do that. Actually, we will do that. So I'll throw that out. So be looking for that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. We're so humbled by the feedback that we get. I mean, we're the most downloaded Jags podcast and we, we really owe it all to you guys and, and everything that you guys do. So thank you so much for listening and as always go Jags